That's how you pray in the new year. First Sunday of 2024, and I want to invite you to turn to Psalm 1. Jake, we appreciate that. There is no better way for us to uh, start off church life in a new year than us absolutely bowing our heads and our hearts and every bit of us before the Lord. We, we need him. We are completely, completely dependent upon him. And uh, what a good thing to do. We always do a pastoral prayer like that every Sunday. And, 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 and what, what, a, what, a, what a good thing for us to just recognize how much we need the Lord Jesus. Uh, this Psalm 1 is what we're going to start with here today. We're gonna get, we, we just finished up a series before Christmas, then went through a Christmas series and we're going to look at Psalm 1 today, and we're actually going to look at Psalm 2 next week and see these two together, and then after that, we'll get into a, a new book to start studying. But it seems like Psalm 1 is a good place for us to begin here. This is an excellent, excellent psalm, and I think you're going to be challenged here today. One of the things that I find myself doing from time to time when we have a church and we have a community is I find myself reflecting upon uh, when, when our relationship began, when did we meet? When did you get involved here? How long ago was that? What, what prompted that or created that? What did that come out of? And when I start thinking that way, I get really encouraged thinking, wow, like we're, we're going on five years now, or wow, it's been, it's been a while, or wow, like, man, God really worked to bring that about, it's good to do that and reflect upon it. And then once I do that thinking about other people, I find myself doing that for my own life. And it is very, very encouraging and, and, and almost like life, life straightening for me to look back on seasons where God did something big or God did something strong or, or God did something directional. Big's probably not the right word. But I remember when I was 16, you know, we, I, had, I had attended church a little bit. My family kind of did. Uh, we were involved in a lot of things, but definitely weren't where we needed to be as far as devotion to the Lord and church life. And when I was 16, we changed churches. It wasn't a huge church, had a little bit of a youth group, but it became so good for my life. I connected with a couple other people. They followed Jesus. I was trying to follow Jesus. And even now, getting close to 30 years later, I look back and it's like, man, that was a huge thing that happened that God did. A few years later, I was into my freshman year of college and, uh, you know, I was like any other freshman, just kind of all over the place. And coming out of my freshman year of college, I recognized that I'm not really all in on living for Jesus. Something needs to change. I need to surrender everything. And so that summer, I found a couple of people. I said, hey, you want to do a little Bible study with me and do something? There were a couple guys that said yes. And so just in that, that July month of, of that summer, which would have been 1999, a few of us coming out of our freshman year just, instead of doing whatever college students do in the summer, we got into our Bibles, and we spent time together, and we wanted to reach our friends, and we hung out, and we prayed, and we sought the Lord, and we lived for God. And I look back on that now like one of the biggest, biggest moments in my life. Like who I am right now happens because those two things happened. 
And I think a Sunday like this, where we're all here today wanting to say, okay, let's start the year off right, let's go to church today, let's look to Jesus, let's have some extra time in prayer, let's read God's word. I think right now is the ideal time for you and I to look back and say, what do I need to do to make sure I'm living for God? What do I need to do to make sure my heart is fully resting in Jesus is my Lord and Savior? We need to remind ourselves here today, and I'll just say it, let's start the year off right. You can't earn anything with God. We don't really have self-help sermons here at our church. We don't know how to preach those to begin with, but we don't preach those. We can't say, hey, make sure you never miss church in 2024 and things will be better. Make sure you never miss your quiet time or devotional and it'll be all good. We don't say that. But we can hold high that Jesus Christ is the answer to the world. He is beautifully perfect. He is holy, holy, holy. Christ never sinned, and he's a human like us. He knows what our struggles are, and he gave himself for us. He took the judgment of God for us, and if you and I will trust with all of our heart in Jesus, we will be safe in the love of God forever, and nothing, nothing can separate you from being deeply, deeply loved by God. There is nothing better for you to hear today and this year that God loves you with an everlasting love and that nothing can separate you from the ultimate eternal love of God because of what Jesus Christ has done. All the work that you think you have to do, Jesus did it. All the challenges that you think you have to face, Jesus took. All of the guilt and shame that we carry and the conviction, Jesus took it. And we hold Christ high. Psalm 1 is going to help us focus on this here today. I want to ask you, what is it that you're thinking, man, I want to be more committed to him with? I want to ask you, when was the last time you thought that way? I want to ask you, when was the last time you said, I'm going to take a step in this direction? This morning, there was a couple that showed up for Sunday school, and they said, hey, Wednesday night, you prayed that maybe that's a step we need to take. We haven't been here in two years for Sunday school, but we're here this morning. What is a small little step like that? Did you used to pray with your family? Maybe it's time to get back to family prayers. Did you used to memorize scripture? I'll be honest with you all. In, in 2023, I didn't memorize as much scripture as I, as I typically had in the past. But just this past week, I sat down and I, I, I made me some note cards. And I'm trying to renew my commitment to hide God's word in my heart that I would not sin against him. That, that the truth of God would be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And, and you can ask, the other day I was riding down the road in the car and I pulled these out of my pocket and I handed these to my kids. I said, hey, here, quiz me on these. What is it that you know God is calling you to do to lean in? And let's let 2024 be a year where you say, man, that's a big year for me spiritually. Now, I don't know what God's gonna do. We have no prosperity gospel here. Maybe the hardest year of your life but also maybe the most blessed year with Jesus in it. 
May this be the church and the place and the time and the year for you to say, I'm committing myself to Jesus and his way. One of the things we started a couple years ago is, is challenging our church to memorize some psalms. And over the past couple years, we've done several of them. Today is the first day that we read Psalm 1 as the call to worship. And we're going to read this Psalm 1 for the call to worship for the next six months. We will not finish it until June. And I want to ask every one of you to try to memorize this psalm, the psalm that I'm about to preach through. I want to ask you, if you would, to work on it as a family. I want to ask you dads to, to, to encourage and ask your kids and your, your spouse and whoever lives with you to, to work on it. And later on today, say, hey, we're working on this. You can take one verse a week. It shouldn't take you six months, really, but if it does, okay, let's get it right. Let's learn Psalm 1 together. On Wednesday nights, we're going to ask you all, hey, who's working on Psalm 1? Have you memorized that? And are you trying to, to, to know it? Let's work together to memorize this. Psalm 1 is the door, the entryway to the whole book of Psalms. There are 150 psalms in the book of Psalms. It's a long book. It's the song book for the Old Testament people. It is filled with all the different emotions. And Psalm 1 is the entryway into it. And John MacArthur commenting on Psalm 1 says, This psalm, the theme is as big as the whole Bible. And here's why, he says. Because Psalm 1 tells us of people, paths, and ultimate destinations. What a place for you and I to begin. If you would, read with me Psalm 1, all six verses. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. That, in those six verses, are what we're asking you to memorize. And I hope that you will, working together, do it. Maybe make some note cards. Maybe write in a little sign and stick it on your bathroom mirror. Maybe write it on a little note and stick it on the door that you all go out. Do whatever you gotta do to get to know this verse and watch it strengthen you in your faith. Today I'm gonna make two simple points and then we're gonna walk through these six verses for you kids that are using a listening page, here's our first one. Number one, the way of the Lord. Last Sunday was the December 31st, and Jake preached on John chapter 14. And John chapter 14 is the passage where Jesus says, I am the way. It's important for us here today to remember as we study this, that this is not just someone telling us, okay, here you go, go this direction but it's important, it's important for you and I to understand when we are trying to go a direction, which we are, we're trying to be on the straight and narrow, we're trying to go in the way of the Lord, that's my first point, the way of the Lord. But when you and I are trying to go a direction, we are not trying to go a direction simply because we hope that the end of that direction is where we will find what we're looking for. But rather, every direction that we're trying to go is rooted in that Jesus is the way. He is the meaning of that direction. He's the source of us going in that direction. He's the empowerment for us to go in that direction. So while we are going in the way of the Lord, we are going 
as the way carries us, as we walk by faith in Jesus, as we are trusting him with everything we've got, as we have surrendered our lives to him who forgives us of our sins, and we are going in the way because we are trusting in the way. And I hope that makes sense. And that's gonna be very key to understanding not only Psalm 1 here today, but Psalm 2 as we study it next week. Psalm 1 and 2 go together. The way of the Lord. Psalm 1 begins by saying, blessed is the man. What an awesome statement. The very first word in the entire book of Psalms is blessed. And this word really means happy. Some of y'all's translations you might be holding right now uh, probably say happy. Some say that. But it's not as simple as happy. it's, It's more so like the man who is content, joyful, satisfied, and happy because he knows the Lord. That's what it means. And so that's why they often use the word blessed. Now, a lot of times we use blessed when we just think of anything gracious or good or, or, or favorable in our lives, right? We, we get something good in our lives and we say, yeah, it's, a new, it's such a blessing for me to have this new vehicle, and that, and that is a blessing, But to be in that position of blessed is more so speaking directly to the the, the, the God's favor is upon you and you're aware of it and you're just resting in it. And so this psalm, like the whole book of Psalms, is wanting to point us to who is that person? Who is that person? Psalm 1 is describing it as a specific person. And that's what we're gonna study here today, that the way of the Lord is describing a person who's in a position, who's going in a direction, who is trusting in Jesus. The blessed man of Psalm 1 is sometimes called the beatitude man. And you may have not heard that before, but that's a cool thing to think about right now. The Beatitudes are that passage that we read earlier from Matthew chapter five, and that that way of life that is the, the blessing, and you've heard those before. Blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the poor in spirit, right? Those are the Beatitudes. This is what it means to be in a blessed position. And Psalm 1 is describing a man who is in that position, and it pushes us back to that. My first point here today is the way of the Lord is the blessed way. And the person who comes to believe and trust that God's way is the best way is truly the person that's blessed. Let me say that again. The person that comes to believe, that comes to trust, that comes to all out hope in that God's way is the best way, that is the blessed person. The deepest, fullest, realest, most meaningful way for you to be blessed is for you to trust in God and his ways. Several years back, we had a really a, a high-profile athlete that came and joined our church. He had been playing on a very big stage at the University of Louisville, and he was looking for a church that would be somewhat out of the limelight, and he came and joined our church and served here, and it was awesome for us to get to know him. He was a huge guy. He was a faithful follower of Jesus, and he was a part of our church, and I remember one time we had like a Wednesday night or something and we asked him, I, I, I don't even know if it was a Wednesday night, but we had something and we asked him to share his testimony. And I remember as he shared his testimony, of course he was only probably 21 years old, but as he shared his testimony, he talked about how often life had let him down. Whether it had been trials or difficulties or hardships or blocks in the road and certainly injuries as an athlete and all of that. And as he began to sum up his testimony, he he said this. He said, I have 
through experience, come to the conclusion that God's way is the best way. That's a phrase I want you all to hear this morning, and I've already said it several times, that God's way is the best way. I know. We're not trying to trick anybody. There are a lot of different ways you can go. There's a lot of different ways to do life. We were all raised here differently, and each of our homes have their different emphasis and rules and and, and things that are really important to us. May you and I learn and resolve that God's way, what he says, what he expects, what he's done, the Lord Jesus Christ, God's way, is the best way. And the person who fully surrenders their heart to God is the blessed person. But Psalm 1, in a very, very, very obvious and powerful way, does not begin with what that way looks like in the positive, but rather goes into the negative. Look at me. I mean, look with, look with me at verse 1. Blessed is the man, and immediately goes into what this man doesn't do. My first point here today is the way of the Lord, and my second point here today is the way of the world. And what Psalm 1 does, and you may not like this, but the word of God is alive and powerful, and it is the rule of all rules over all of the universe. What Psalm 1 does is it wants to contrast two different directions. You may not like it when people talk like that, but the word of God is able to do that. There are two different directions, there are two different ways, and ultimately, there are two different people going those ways. So immediately after we've introduced the way of the Lord, we hear the way of the world, because what we see about this blessed man is that three things. He does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. He does not stand in the way of sinners. And he does not sit in the seat of scoffers. You know, it is true that for his positive and energy and good vibes and all, as much as we want that, and I want that too. I don't want you to be a drain or Debbie Downer or make life worse. As much as we like all of that good energy, it is true that in any avenue of life, there are some things that we say no to, aren't there? You don't run with scissors in your hand. That's a pretty good rule, right? You need to wear your seatbelt and not drive too fast, okay? You shouldn't drink too much of the wrong things, Right, it, 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 It's normal for us to say no to certain things, and, and the, the way of God does this. Maybe you know some people that have taken the Ten Commandments and just gone too far, and all they know of Christianity is don't do this, and don't do this, and don't do this, and don't do that. And that's not a good, healthy representation of Christianity. Jesus is life, and there is abundant life with him. It's awesome to live for Jesus. I've been doing that now for a long time, and I feel the blessing of God. But it is also true that the Bible, rightfully so, says you shouldn't be doing that and you shouldn't be listening to them and you shouldn't be spending too much time there. The blessed man knows this. He doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners. 
And he doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers. There's so much said about this. R.C. Sproul points out, there is a downward progression in the verbs walks, sits, stands. You can see it coming, can't you? And every real person in the room that would be honest has observed this in real people's lives, haven't you? You have seen the way of the world, the way of the world, get inside of somebody. And what was a walking became a standing, became a just sitting down and just living in it. This is what Psalm 1 is pointing out to us. This is the first verse of the entire book of Psalms that you and I must be warned, you and I must beware of the wrong way. Notice that we don't listen to the wrong counsel. And this is crazy hard these days because we're just getting so many things. Nearly every person in the room at some point has just found themselves flipping through some sort of social media, whether it's YouTube voices or Instagram or whether it's shorts or something, and you've just heard and heard and heard and heard and heard so much. One of the things that happens in our house every single day is somebody says, hey, I saw this video that says this, and somebody else says, yeah, I already saw it. We're getting that much coming at us. And the very first verse in Psalms says, the blessed man knows who not to listen to. Church, this is critical in 2024. There are a lot of voices, there are a lot of things. You need to know who you don't listen to. You need to know who you don't listen to. Then it goes on to say, you need to know who you're standing around with, meaning, hey, we were talking, and now let's, let's hold up from walking, and let's talk about this a little bit further, right? So now, who are you spending a lot of time with, and who are you running with? And then it takes it one step further, and now you've sat down together, and it pictures this idea of just, hey, who do you hang out with? And are they going in that blessed way? Are they moving in the direction of, of, of the way that God has said? Have they, have they decided on the first Sunday of 2024 that you're wanting to go all in, and that they're wanting to go all in and commit to Jesus, and so they're not going to prevent you from that? They're going to assist you in that? Psalm 1-1 is asking us to make very clear who we listen to, who we walk with, who we hang out with, and guard against it. Now, don't get me wrong. This doesn't mean we don't have friends with people all over the place. I think in my life, I think our church has shown that very, very well. We are in the world. We're just not of the world. We'll hang out with anybody. But we're going to influence them instead of them influencing us. If they're gossips and slanderers, we're not going to become gossips and slanderers. If they're getting into things that aren't pleasing to God, we're not getting into those things too. But we'll build a relationship with them so that light can shine in the darkness. Psalm 1-1 teaches us this. And when you start thinking along these lines, it starts to bring to memory so many scriptures that teach this. Proverbs 14-12 and 16-25 say, there is a way that seems right to a man. Listen to this. There is a way that seems right to a man. You know what that means? That means that every one of us, me, you, your dad, your grandpa, your grandpa that you respect so much, your grandma who's sweet as can be, right? Her, every one of us think, well, well here's just what I think, and I'm just going to live this way, and it's wrong. Me, you, your neighbors, 
If you're just going to do it the way you think is best, the way you were raised, the way you were trained, it's wrong. Listen to the end of these verses. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is death. It will not get you to the blessing of God. It won't. You need the way, you need the source of Jesus to find life. We have to make sure we understand this. Isaiah 55, 7, speaking of the same idea, says, let the wicked forsake his way. In other words, get rid of it. Stop it. Turn away from it. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts, forsake them. Let him, this is Isaiah 55, 7, let him return to the Lord. Let the Lord have compassion on him and to God, for he will abundantly pardon As we point out the way of the Lord contrasted with the way of the world, may you and I hear that we need to be deciding, I am not going to listen to the wrong people, and I'm not going to stand around listening to the wrong people, and I'm certainly not going to link up and be totally influenced and overcome by the wrong people. Psalm 1-1 teaches us this. Where Sproul points out that there is a downward progression in these, John MacArthur points out that sin's sequential downward drag. There's a sequence. You know how many people that I could point out to you right now that I remember when they used to not want to cuss. That that, that the smallest little word, if it slipped out, they'd be bothered by it. They say a little A-S-S or H-E-L-L, and they would apologize for it. Like That is so uncommon for that to slip out of my mouth. I'm sorry about that. And you can picture the progression. We see it all the time. And they get used to that because there's just a few of them. And next thing, some of the bigger ones come, the, the SOBs and the GDs and the MFs. And now the big thing is the, a- the AFs all over social media. We do everything AF. It's just a progression of, man, I used to be sensitive to those things, man. I used to want to live in that God can shine through my life. And I just kind of drifted away from that a little bit. It wasn't, it wasn't, I didn't jump off a cliff. You didn't wash your mouth up with soap one Sunday because of church and go to school Monday and be a filthy mouth. That's not the way it works. It's like Psalm 1-1. It's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a drifting That's how the world is. That's the way the world wants to be. Leighton says, the way of sin is downhill. What a picture. A man cannot stop when he wants to. Ooh. The way of sin is downhill. A man cannot stop when he wants to. I remember a couple years ago, I was at a soccer game and up there where, where Lou City is, across from that, there's this big giant field where a lot of people just play and practice, and we were there for a game, and there's this like gigantic ditch, I mean like a 50-yard ditch that goes down to like a water runway right beside it. And all the parents were set up there on the sideline because at soccer they don't have bleachers, you gotta learn that, you have to take your own chair every single time. And all the parents were set up there on the side, and a ball just flew out, and went way down into this ditch, and some of y'all been there before, and it, I mean, way down there. And so when that happens, you know, a player can't go get it. Somebody's got to get up and get that ball, and it takes time, and let's get it back. And since the game is going like 100 miles an hour, you need to get the ball back in there quickly. This doesn't happen really in other sports, the ball going way out of bounds, but it happens in soccer a lot because you can kick it far. And so somebody's got to jump up and get it, and like 99.9% of the time, just some little kid on the sideline will jump up and go get it. <laughs> 
But in this particular moment, an elderly dad, grandpa, jumped up to get it. And he was sitting in his chair. Remember, I said like a 50-yard slope. And the ball went flying way down into the ditch. And he jumped up to get it. And he took off in a little trot. And as you can imagine, it got bad. He was going downhill. Next thing you know, for 50 yards, he was... And it was so bad. And everybody there was just watching like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And he just went face first into the bank. He ate it. He came up with, he, he came up with blood all over his head. And he didn't even get the ball. Somebody else had to. And that's a really unfortunate thing that was really funny to see. But Psalm 1-1 is showing you and I that that's the way of the world. You're over here, and you just take a step in that direction, oftentimes not even thinking that it's bad, maybe even thinking that it's good. I'm just going to not be so rigid. I'm not, I'm not going to be legalistic. And you start, and next thing you know, you're headed downhill. And you get down there with your face in the bank, and you're like, if you show up to church, you're like, how did I end up like this? The way of sin is downhill, he says. And a man cannot stop when he wants to. You and I need to recognize that the way of the world will not lead us into the blessing of God. It will not. The devil is sneaky. He is crafty. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. You need to remind yourself and be renewed in mind this morning that right now today, the devil is hoping he can mess you up this year. He is hoping more than anything that you will not lean into church. Some of y'all are thinking about getting baptized and making a commitment to Jesus Christ as Lord. The devil is hoping that you will not make that step and he will try to prevent it. Some of y'all are considering renewing yourselves to the way of God because it's been a while since you've been so committed to it. And the devil is wanting you to not because the devil knows that the blessing of God is found in God's way. Verse 1 says all of that. And then it contrasts in verse 2 to what he's like. So now we've got the way of the Lord bouncing back. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. Church, make no question about it. There is a direct correlation and relationship to between the happy Christian and their commitment to the word of God. No exceptions. No questions, no excuses. The blessed man finds his delight in the word of God. The blessed man thinks about the word of God. The blessed man is saying, I'm glad that Josh brought that up to memorize Psalm 1, and I'm gonna spend the next month, I'm gonna spend all of January working on Psalm 1, and you will find yourself beginning to sit in the blessing of what it means to take God serious, to take God's word serious, a word that God has now preserved for thousands of years, and you will devote yourself to what God has said. What a contrast we see here, a heavy contrast between the way of the world and the way of the Lord. 
Notice that the way of the world is listening to counsel from all over the place and standing around in the way that is not the way of God. It says the way of sinners in verse one and then sitting with people that scoff. Scoff is such an interesting word. It's one of those words that we don't really use, but we really understand it. You know, there's some Bible words that we read and we're like, what's what's that mean? You always got to look up because it sounds like a Bible word. But then scoff, we don't really say it. I haven't heard any of you all say, yeah, we're scoffing at that. But we totally get it. It's like to to laugh or mock or or joke. And y'all, listen, you know, I know, these days, there's so much scoffing at God and his way. There is. We're living in a world that scoffs, laughs, mocks, jokes, makes fun of, even goes so far to criticize and try to humiliate and look back God and his holiness. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones commenting on this says, who are these people? They are the scoffers. They are the people that stick out their tongues at everything that is sacred and holy and sanctified. And I can, I can just picture in, in this day people that live like that. These are the clever people who laugh at religion and make jokes about it. These are the people that scoff at God and at his word and at his law and at his ordinances. These are the people who scoff at the sanctities in life, things like marriage and everything else. These are the people who scoff at morality and decency, and they want to call it self-expression. The Bible is teaching us here that that is a way. That's a way that more and more people seem to embrace. That's a way. But it's the way of sinners. It's the way of the wicked. These aren't my terms. These are God's terms. It's a way that a lot of people go and a lot of people are going, but it's not God's way. And you and I are to recognize that. Verse three, going back to the way of the Lord, and the blessed man says, one of my favorite statements in all of scripture, he is like a tree. What a picture. A big tree, a tree that's been planted by streams of water, a tree that yields its fruit in its season, a a tree that its leaf does not wither, a tree that in all it prospers, except for here, it's talking about the man I love verses like 1-3, and I love to show that verse to the prosperity gospel-minded. In all that he does, he prospers. The man who will root himself in the ways of God, root himself in the promises of God, root himself in the, tr- in the teaching and truth of God, and all that he does, he prospers. What a picture. Picture a big tree. Do you have one of those in your yard or your neighborhood? Have you been into the forest and seen one of those trees where the trunk is ginormous and the branches go out and it provides shade for days? Just a big, strong, beautiful tree. And you know the idea is if it's planted beside water, it means it's always fed. There's always leaves on it. It always bears fruit. The blessed man lives in that. Yes, circumstances are up and down. Trials come and go. The devil sends his attacks. Life is hard. We're not in heaven yet. We know that. But the blessing of God and his goodness and his love and the presence of Jesus Christ as a very present help in trouble who is always with us leaves us blessed, tree-like. And then verse four bounces right back to the contrast and says, the wicked are not like this, but they're like chaff that the wind 
drives away. This is an incredibly, incredibly strong contrast. The blessed man flourishes like a well-watered, healthy tree. And the wicked man is like a dead, rootless plant that when the wind starts blowing is gone. You ever mowed grass before and seen the clippings just get right there on the driveway or the road? You should blow those off, by the way. Don't, don't leave them. But if you don't, and a wind comes up in a couple of days, it'll blow away. This isn't me being judgmental. This is God saying, some people rest fully in the work of Christ and live in the blessing. Some people go and listen to others and walk in others and sit with others and they are like chaff that the wind will get rid of. God wants you and I to not be problematic, hard-headed, ornery Christians in our day, but he wants us to be blessed. Verse five, he takes the contrast even further and puts it in light of the end time, of the judgment. Look at verse five. Therefore, so in summary, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And the reason why I started with these two points, the way of the Lord and the way of the world, because look at what verse six says. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This psalm takes it in verses five and six to the place that you and I should believe in where everything will be clear. Yes, it is hard to live in 2024 and recognize that, man, a lot of times I say, man, I don't really know what to think. How many times have you said that, you know? I don't really know what's going on. I'm not really sure what, I'm not, what's, I don't know what's happening. What's going on these days? And the Bible pushes us back like it's Psalm 1, 5, and 6 and pushes us back to see, no, God knows what he's doing. And there is coming a day where everybody that wants to go in the way of the world will not stand in judgment. And when God gathers up all those who are eagerly waiting for him, when God gathers up everybody that loves the Lord Jesus Christ, when God gathers up every sinner that is broken over their sins, who is crying out to him for forgiveness, who has found an everlasting water that will quench deep down, when God gathers up all of his children that hope only in him, not in their works, When God comes back and gathers up everybody that fully needs a Savior and knows that Jesus is that Savior, when God God gathers up all of his people, there will be a whole bunch that were in the other way who will not be welcome there. He says it. They will not stand in the judgment and they will not be in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way both ways. He knows the way of the Lord The way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Church, you and I need to recognize that there are two ways. But we need to recognize that God is not here sending a message, make sure you're on this way. Make sure you don't get on that way. See, the Bible teaches us that every one of us started out and have been on the wrong way. We have, every one of us. Everybody has disobeyed God at some point. 
And you know what God tells us about that? That he sent his son, who's not going to show you the way. He sent his son who is the way. And his son took all of our wickedness, took all of our sins, and died on the cross for us. And whoever fully surrenders to him and believes and repents and says, God, forgive me of my sins. Whoever does that, that person is then in the blessing of God, safe, forgiven, on their way. And being on the way because you know the way Jesus is God working in us to stick to the blessed way, the way of the Lord. Psalm 1 is going to be outstanding for us. I want to encourage you to work at memorizing it. The week after Christmas, we got to go down to visit my parents in North Carolina. My parents are in their 70s now, and we, we love going there, and it was good. My parents live in a house that they had built in 1994. I was 14 in 1994, and I remember when we moved into that house. When we moved in, my, my dad asked me to help him as a young teenage boy, and on this side of the driveway, we put in three Bradford pairs and on this side of the driveway, put in three more Bradford pairs. And then back past the driveway, put in three more Bradford pairs. We, we put in nine Bradford pear trees. And over the last 30 years, they've just been growing and growing and growing. And what were these little, little, little trees that we didn't know if they would make it are now like these massive trees. They're so big that their branches make a canopy over the driveway. They're so big that some have already had to been taken down and, and start over with. That was, that was kind of sad that that had to happen. But some are still there and the tops have been cut out and just letting them grow back. Before we left to travel back up here, my mom asked if she could get all of the grandkids up in the tree for a picture. You know how grandkids are. They're like, really? A family picture in a tree? But you know, they did it. They got a picture. And when you get to be 44 like I am, everything's emotional and sentimental to you. So I just got to thinking about that tree. I remember when we planted that tree. It's grown and it's grown and it's grown. And now that tree is strong enough to hold seven kids, five teenagers up in it. Think about that. The tree is strong enough to hold what is probably a thousand pounds on its branches. And God is telling us that Jesus is like that tree. Jesus is the blessed man, and all who hope in him and get on his way are the blessed man with him. Church, may it be the case that your family has a tree in it. May it be the case, oh, I, I pray this, may it be the case that Fairdale and South Louisville have some trees in it. They will not listen to the counsel of the wicked. They will not walk in the way of sinners. They will not sit down and spend too much time under the wrong influence of the seat of scoffers. They are trees, rock, solid trees, because their delight is in the word of God. And everybody in that tree, and everybody under that tree, and everybody around that tree gets the benefit 
of having known that rock solid. I want to ask you today to be the tree that your family needs. Be the tree that your team needs. Be the tree that your school needs. Not because you're the source, but because Christ already is that tree. In all that he does, he prospers. That's the case for Jesus. And may it be the case for us because we're trusting in him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for Psalm 1. And we pray, God, that Psalm 1 would be an anchor for our lives, for our faith, and for our families. God, I pray that there would be many, I dare say hundreds because of this service, that will commit to memory Psalm 1, who in turn would be the blessed man through Jesus, who in turn would be like a tree yielding fruit. Oh God, give us fruitful men and fruitful women and fruitful homes because we have stuck ourselves to Jesus and we want to be trees like him. Father, thank you for the salvation that there is in Christ, forgiveness of sins. God, help us to take serious scoffing and help us to take serious the downward progression of sin in the way of the world. Help us to recognize that those are two different things in two different ways and help us to commit ourselves to Jesus. God, we ask for you to work in us now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.